Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Koto listeners. You are tuned in to KOTO Telluride. This is Off the Record. I'm your host, Julia Caulfield. And this evening, we are talking about equity in the outdoors. I think outdoors is something that people are really passionate about in this area. And equity is something that I think, hopefully, more people are getting more passionate about. Um, so we're talking about how there was all come together. And I am joined in studio by a bunch of really knowledgeable and great folks to talk on that issue. We have Claudia Garcia Curcio and Joanna Spindler, who are from the library, but activists and do this work in their own right outside of that as well. And then Mason Osgood, who is the executive director of Sheep Mountain Alliance. Thank you all so much for being here this evening. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, So, Claudia, I'm just straight out with it. You actually pitched this show. You're like, this would be a really great conversation to have. And I was like, that is a great conversation. Let's do it. (laughs) I did. I did. I think... I've been in Telluride for now seven years and um, working with Sheep Mountain Alliance Mountain Club to kind of have these spaces more equitable for the Latino community has been a conversation, ongoing conversation for years, but we're making it happen happen more as like working more with Sheep Mountain Alliance um, on like having those spaces, um, you know, bringing down those barriers for folks to be able to access public land and do these things that white folks in our community do every day. Yeah. I mean, so I think that hopefully a lot of folks can hear the the phrase equity in the outdoors and kind of have an idea of what we're talking about. But can you, from all your perspective, I would love to hear like what, when you hear that or when you're talking about that, what does that mean to y'all? Well, it's not money. <laughs> I'm going to clear that up real. <laughs> we're not talking about money. Um, you know, equity is when we what it means to me is based on the identities that I hold um, I can access resources um, as the same if Mason like being a white male and me being a Latina we're at the same I could be at different levels of how to like let's say um, if we're talking about the outdoors he might have his own bike maybe I don't and then I get provided one but I can ride with him and that's equity like being able to meet ourselves at the level that we're at based on the identities that we hold For me as a white cis woman, I think equity has a lot to do with um, not closing the door behind me because people who had um, access to outdoor activities taught me how to do those things. Like someone who knew how to climb ice taught me to climb ice. Someone who knew how to mountain bike taught me how to mountain bike. And I've had those privileges. And so to me, it's really important, even though I have established partners in those activities, you know, to be like, hey, it's it's not my time to be like, great, I have partners, I'm going to stop being friendly to people. (laughs) It's about saying like, hey, how can I open the door to other people? How can I open the door to people who um, don't share that same ability level with me? How can I open the door to people who have um, different ability identities, different um, economic situations, different, um, yeah, sexual and gender orientations, different ages, um, and certainly different racial and cultural identities as well. Yeah, Mason. Yeah, those are all great points so far. Um, I'd like to add maybe a Telluride-specific thing. Telluride's a very 
intensely outdoor recreation driven culture um and a lot of times people come here and they just know how to do all the things in the outdoors um and you know there's some people in this community who go how did you learn how to do this how did you learn how to ski how do you even find where to buy skis x y and z um it can be anything it can be resources knowledge how to get to the trail where to go on the trail how to read a trail map um you know there's so many questions that i think um we as white people or we as living in telluride take um take for granted and Mm -hmm. so if we can just collect all those questions and put them into a huge resource um we're we're doing our job and and we're making it easier for everyone to feel like they belong in this town well and it's an interesting um kind of dynamic right because in some ways i think folks who engage in outdoor recreation in in a serious way there is like this really um, beautiful community that comes with that but at the same time it is it can be a kind of closed off community of like if you're a climber you don't want like other people to know where the best spots are because you want to have it for yourself or whatever that might look like and so when you're thinking about these things I guess like how do you um view or how do you suggest people who are maybe in those groups starting to break down those walls of like reaching as Joanna you were saying like reaching back to help other folks who aren't there and then also like if you don't know how to do, if you don't know how to go ice climbing, you don't know how to read a trail map, like where do you start? I'm, um, I'm Googling an article right now about <laughs> leave no trace and equity um, because I think there's been a big tradition in the outdoor community of saying, oh, well, if you share this with too many people, like these resources will be destroyed. And the plain fact is that that is like a form of gatekeeping in a lot of situations. And to me, I think there's a lot to be said about just building relationships with people and inviting them to come, come with you because um, I think the opposite of like gatekeeping is uh, mentorship culture which is saying, hey, I know you, or I've just met you, or I'm reaching out to you, and I would love to invite you to be part of my community in this. And that involves um, teaching people not only like the sport, but also how to uh, how to visit respectfully in places, per- perhaps like especially places that have um, indigenous cultural resources involved. I think that's often one of the big things about Leave No Trace is like, being really, really respectful of indigenous cultural resources, which is, of course, deeply, deeply sacred and important. Um, And, you know, when you have a relationship involved, you can teach people, hey, here's how to ethically, you know, make sure that you are walking on trails in a way that keeps it intact for the people after you. Um, Here's how to poop respectfully when you're camping out because you're going climbing. Like, (laughs) here's how to, how how you should think about fire when you're going camping, you know? so if you'll come back to me, I'm trying to find the article <laughs> that just cite. Um, I definitely <laughs> think it's, you know, um, me not growing up doing all these sports and learning here as I've gone by. There's definitely a group of people that are welcoming and others. I think with skiing for me has been the hardest to get into um, because I didn't grow up skiing. And the way that I've thought of, like, when it comes to programming and collaborating with Sheep Mountain Lions, and they've been so great of, like, okay, how do we make this activity equitable for the Latino community to do it? You know, we had an ice climbing day and we asked them, never done it in our lives. I've done it once or twice, but none of them have done it and they all loved it. And what we needed is was the gear, we needed a guide, 
where to go and we got that you know and mm -hmm. and and the women that went were super stoked to be like i want to do this again how do i get to do this again and this for me watching those moments it just it, it makes me feel good because it's like we're sharing these activities that um they might have not had access to mm -hmm. i definitely wouldn't have you know and so it's opening their eyes to be like, if you love it and you want to try it and you want to stick with it, how can I support you? I may not know how to do it, but I can ask folks, you know, to like continue that. Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do, like with all of our uh, library activities this summer mm -hmm. to do things outdoors and working and collaborating with other organizations to allow folks to be like, let's go on, let's go up Bear Creek, let's go hiking, let's go mountain biking, like let's do the via. We've gotten a lot of requests that folks to do the via they've never done it so how do we make that happen you know things that like a lot of folks have done before and, and we want that and so I'm hopeful this summer is going to be a good one <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's interesting Mason and I were talking about this a little bit before we got on the air of like as a white woman who has like demographically it fits the stereotype of someone who like quote unquote should know how to ski like I didn't grow up downhill skiing right. and even for myself <laughs> you know there's like it is it's getting the gear it's getting the pass and then even once you do those things you get onto the mountain and you're like what does this mean <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. where can I go that I'm not gonna die and like navigating the mountain is is challenging for anybody if it, it's not a comfort zone and then you add on all the other layers that come with that when it comes to um economics or race or anything of, of that like and it just mm -hmm. compounds itself mm -hmm. what do you you know you mentioned like having the gear and um and all of those sorts of things what do you think what do you see as maybe the the biggest barriers for this is it mm -hmm. is it simply like having the gear or is it the cultural element of like the community being welcoming or not when it comes to these things is it a mix of both like what do you see are the the main barriers for for this equity and outdoors i think it's a combination but time time is the biggest mm. um in the latino community um a lot of them are working two three jobs so where do you make the time to do these activities um they want to provide for their family and you know i, I get it and so you know do i take my day off and go to Montrose and get food or do I go to this activity so a lot of it is time and then when they do have time and they love it financially do I get food or buy gear mm -hmm. and and I'll pitch this and I think he had a great idea of bringing old gear totally. and for June 5th people are going to pick up gear I think that breaking down those barriers and allowing folks to try different sports by already having the gear is key mm -hmm. so it's slowly we're trying um but i think overall it, it really is time they definitely enjoy it i don't think don't ever assume that a latino person here in, in, in our community doesn't want to do what you do because totally. that's not true um they do they just don't have the time or the gear mm -hmm. or know how to navigate a map or where to hike mm -hmm. and i'm telling you when we had the ski day people have lived here for 20 plus years and it was their first time skiing they were like I've never been up the mountain, right. you know? So yeah, those are, yeah. And Mason Cheat Mountain has been a big part of helping to kind of create these days to like the ski day um, y'all worked with. What have been some of the things from y'all's standpoint as an organization, I guess, A, like why is this something that 
your organization decided like this is something we want to make a priority to make this happen and then maybe for other organizations or businesses listening what were some of the thing what were some of the steps that you took to really make that a possibility mm-hmm. yeah um I think this, our, our program, our outdoor equity program started about four years ago um, at the helm of Lexi, who used to be our ED. Yeah. Um, and it's really core to who we are. You know, we are a public lands advocacy organization and we truly believe public lands are for everyone. Um, and if it's, if, if everyone can't get onto public lands with what they need, then it's not for everyone. And so you, we need to work to to make it for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And we've been super lucky to, um, you know, work hard and show up and be consistent and have um, some community leaders um, such as Claudia uh, welcome us and allow us to come come to them and be like, hey, what do you guys want? We, we have funding, we have psych, and we want to yeah. help out. Um, and on the subject of timing that Claudia brought up, I can't tell you how many times uh, we've planned events and we've been excited we've got the marketing out and just no one shows up um and i think it speaks to this you know this idea of consistency like you can't just do it once um mm-hmm. i feel like we're kind of reaching this really exciting point where we've, we have a full calendar of events mm-hmm. with the library and, and tri-county this summer yes. but it's taken a long time to get there and a lot of conversations with telski with other partners mountain trip um to get there so um mm-hmm. i think it's super exciting and and ultimately um you know it's 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 gonna help everyone create a better culture for public lands and mm-hmm. and start talking about public lands how cool they are um how they need to be protected so mm-hmm. it's it's all gonna help us yeah i think something that comes to mind for me like when we talk about what it means for people to feel welcome in the outdoors is understanding that in our community and as a white person like I'm really aware this starts with me um there is kind of this attitude that like oh well I worked hard to get into my sport like anybody can do it like everybody has look at us we live right in the mountains anybody can do it it's for everyone and the plain fact is that when you actually come at that from an equity perspective no not everyone has the same access it's true, perhaps a lot of us live in the same area, but also a lot of people who work here drive far. Um, and also when you're really thinking about opportunity, opportunity is not equal in America. And a lot of a lot of people in our community forget that because they have the privilege of being able-bodied or white or speaking a language where they can read the trail signs. Like um, equity means that we, operate from the understanding that not everybody does have the same opportunities and and these really cool things like what Jimena put on with the gear drive getting people together to 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 add their used gear like these guys are talking about that's a huge thing also yeah programming that says hey we want to invite you into these spaces that you might not have otherwise felt invited to it's it's an enormous way to give people the that open door to come into outdoor spaces don't operate from, like Claudia is saying, don't operate from the assumption that everybody can just, has the same opportunities to do this stuff because it's not true. You know, I think a lot of people will acknowledge that Telluride can be a pretty um, segregated community at times. And so, you know, for, for folks who are maybe in the in these sports or in these activities and they're like okay yeah i want to help i like want to be part of it like so what do you do like what's the first step to help 
um, Joanna, as you were saying, like mentorships or, you know, reaching out to folks and being like, hey, let's do this together. Like, how do you go about that? Or on the flip side for someone who's like, I really want to do it, but I don't have, I have no idea who to reach out to, um, to even start the process. I mean, don't recreate the wheel. Come to the library and talk to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, come to the come to the events we already have. We have, There's I think, the, the, yes. the one we have coming up is the Bear Creek one. I think it's coming up not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And everyone is welcome. Like, you built relationships of, like, folks you're hiking with and be like, oh, what do you like to do? I love to take you. Let's do it. Like, that's mm-hmm. how it starts. Like, we at the library have built all of these programmings where we want to integrate white folks and Latinos folks. It's not just, you know, and so that's the way you start. You just reach out to Kathy or reach out to me and we can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Telluridelibrary.org has has an events page where all of that is posted publicly in English and Spanish and it's updated all the time. So mm-hmm. that's where you can find a lot of that. Nice. Okay, we actually have um, Kodo listeners, you are tuned in to Off the Record. We're talking about equity in the outdoors, and we actually have a another guest who's going to be joining us via Zoom for um, a portion of the conversation. Um, Erica Nelson is an angler, a podcast host. She's a consultant for, for getting more black and brown folks into angling and fishing. Um, we're going to bring her up on Zoom. She's based out of Crested Butte, so we're going to bring her up on Zoom. Um, and it'll just take a couple moments. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for tuning in to KOTO Telluride. out the music trying to at least all right Erica can you hear us I can hear you amazing hi Erica thank you so much for joining us we are joined in studio um so you know we also have Claudia Garcia Curcio and Joanna Spindler who are other guests with us this evening talking about equity in the outdoors um but Erica as I mentioned before you got on uh the call to some of our listeners you are an indigenous angler you're the co-founder of the real of real consulting a brown folks fishing ambassador and a host of 
the Awkward Angler podcast and Instagram page. You're a very busy person. Um, and also, and you're based in Crested Butte. So thank you so much for, for being here and joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So first off, just kind of big, broad question. I would love to hear from you um, just how you got started in angling and then why specifically, you know, getting more um, people of color into fishing and angling is, is something that drew you in. Yeah, so it's, this started a few years ago when I moved to Wyoming and um, needed a new hobby. <laughs> and I actually mm-hmm. had access to free gear. So I was able to kind of pick up a fly rod and figure it out and get on YouTube and kind of do some videos. And um, it just seemed pretty accessible at the time, um, considering gear, considering the attitude and beliefs of people that were in the area, fly fishing. It was just very casual and it just seemed like fun. Um, and so then I kind of got on this online community to learn more because I wasn't catching fish <laughs> and so <laughs> decided to to seek out mentors and just kind of start an online community and I was able to find that and cultivate that. What is it that drew you to fly fishing specifically? Why this sport? Yeah, I like to say I'm a, a Jane of all trades, master of none. I like to be mediocre at all things, um, <laughs> skiing, snowboarding, you know, disc golf, I used to play competitively, <laughs> just kind of silly things. I was, I have a whitewater guiding background. Um, and so I've always kind of done a little bit of everything. And, you know, I thought, why not add fly fishing? I just want to be mediocre at this. I at least just want to catch like a fish. And, you know, the thing is, is once I caught the one fish, it became consuming of my entire life. <laughs> so now I'm all things addicted to, to angling and fly fishing. Um, but it was just kind of this um, kind of natural thing of um, being in the outdoors, seeing other people kind of be out in the water and wanting to give it a try and, and at least be mediocre at it. I'm still working on that. <laughs> what is it that you, what is it that you love about it? You know, it's very holistic in just looking at everything. Um, water is life, you know, and um without water, obviously none of us would be here. And so it's just kind of this um, very natural place for me to be. Um, And as an indigenous person, I just bring in this um, holistic view of living in balance and harmony with all living things. So whether that's the water, that's the bugs, that's the birds that are eating the bugs, that's, um, you know, and then it's just a very, very small part of catching and connecting with a fish um, is really special. And so um, just being out in nature and um, being on this living and breathing planet and this thing, it's just kind of very holistic for me um, to be out on the water. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're talking this evening about equity in the outdoors and how we can make these spaces more inclusive for all people. So again, big question, but I would love to hear in the work that you do, um, what are some of the things that, that you do to try and, and, and make these spaces that, um, I was reading, you did a, a New York times Q and a, and one of the things that you said is like, you just, when you look at angling gear, they're pretty much all white men in the pictures. <laughs> and so, you know, why is this or, or how do you work to, to make these spaces um, and this sport something that, that more people can get involved in? Yeah. So there's a few things that I've noticed over the years. And I, I, you know, most of the things that I talk about on my Instagram account are these observations that I've noticed when getting into the sport. Um, and a lot of that was, um, 
lack of representation, I got stared at a lot, you know, putting, <laughs> being at the boat ramp or just being on the water. And, you know, I asked friends of, am I really like, are people looking at me? <laughs> and mm-hmm. it just kind of got a little awkward and, you know, kind of being in these rural areas um, is kind of this interesting, like, aspect of safety um and just looking at do I feel safe out here um you know and thinking about the actions that I do alone and you know because there's not very many people out here that look like me it just kind of is this marker flag for me of like this doesn't feel safe and so talking about racial equity and inclusion um you know I started doing not only on my Instagram account but also starting a podcast um the awkward angler podcast um which is an authentic series talking about social justice and these very instances that I have to deal with um also storytelling with folks in the outdoor industry um I'm also part of this coalition called the um, brown folks fishing and um what that is is um, an organization that is um for and by black and indigenous and people of color anglers to cultivate community um, in fishing and its industry and so there's a lot of great programs and stuff that we do um, as far as activism on that on that front um, because we do see that um you know, conservation, or excuse me, that fishing is a gateway to conservation. And so how can we get more and more people involved in angling um, and looking at conservation efforts? Um, And then the last thing that I've done is I'm a co-founder of the Angling for All Pledge, uh, which establishes a benchmark for learning and a commitment to addressing racism and inequality in fishing and its industry. And so it's kind of looking at this, all right, fishing is growing (laughs) in, in, um, you know, especially over the pandemic, uh, more and more people are getting involved, you know, that identify as Black, Indigenous, or or folks of color. And so there's um, a lot of um, underrepresentation when it comes to staffing, marketing, communications, um, boards, et cetera, conservation efforts as well. So, you know, it's kind of this um, just conversation that I'm looking to start and be part of and be involved in. And how can we actually help bridge these gaps of people that care, <laughs> but also um, it's it's awkward. And that's kind of the name of my uh, handle, Awkward Angler, is because it's not only awkward to catch more trees than fish, <laughs> uh, which I've learned over the years, but also it's awkward talking about social justice and racial justice and inequality in fishing in a sport that seems very lovely and, and very individualistic and, and beautiful. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious, so Eric, I'll pose, pose this to you, but also to Joanna or Claudia, if you have thoughts on it as well. You know, in the idea of the individual of taking um, the opportunity to to help someone, if you're if you're involved in this, of, of reaching out and saying, hey, I want to help you learn this new sport or do this new thing. You know, obviously in, in Colorado, there's so many guiding businesses or companies that work in this sphere what do you what do you see their responsibility as as businesses to mm-hmm. to reach out and participate in this work and i mean erica you mentioned as the pandemic has created more people getting into fishing more people coming to colorado to get outdoors going to um businesses or guiding companies to to get involved of mm-hmm. of what is what is that responsibility to to make it more inclusive for those people, whether or not they live in the community or not, to to feel like they have a space in in this work or in this these activities. I mean, I would say hire BIPOC identities yeah. to guide. I yes. think the same goes for like if you want someone that looks like you, be like, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. I mean, those was messages totally. sent to me as a child. So hire BIPOC yeah. 
you know, folks. And that's something that can say about, like, REI and Mm -hmm. North Face. And I was like, put more people of color on magazines doing activities. Mm -hmm. Again, messaging, it's important. And also, I mean, not just as employees, but I I think, you know, hire people into leadership positions who can create lasting change within your businesses and, you know, like your leadership groups, your nonprofits, your, um, you know, boards of directors, like not just people who you hire, but people who are like directly creating the future of those spaces too, you know? I think also as a white person, like it's easy coming into these things saying like, oh, I'm going to do this nice thing for some other person who has a different identity for me. And the plain fact is like, that's like a really Judeo-Christian, like very, very colonial, very missionary minded um, perspective. And the plain fact is like, anytime you offer um, a shared experience with someone, there's relationship building and you are going to benefit. It's not about charity. Like the plain fact is anytime you go out with someone new, you're going to learn something new. And as, as a white person, like I think a ton of the things that I have learned about reciprocity, you know, Erica touched on this, that water is life, that you have like a deep relationship with the fish that you're trying to catch. Like you don't go to a place without thinking it or making it better in some way. Um, like these are things that I've learned from following indigenous you know, voices, and this is stuff that I wouldn't have known just as a white person. Like, it goes back and forth. The it's giving, not an exchange. The giving goes both mm-hmm. ways. Like, there, there is nothing about, like, taking a new person out that's, like, all you giving. You learn so much from, from going out with a new person, whether that's a really young person or a really old person or a person from a different culture than yours, you know? Yeah. Erica, anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I agree completely with whatever was said. And I would also add that, you know, brands and organizations, you already have a platform. You have created and and wiggled your way into this industry to create an industry in and of itself. And so um, you are literally the narrative. And so uh, this is also how do we be tactful? How do we actually be authentic about representation as well? So I um, wholeheartedly agree by getting um, more folks of color and, and other identities in your leadership position on your boards and on your staff as well, all across the board. Um, But I think there's a step before that, um, which is really kind of looking at your culture and how do you actually um, maintain and sustain those relationships so they want to stay. And so we're not just kind of getting them in the door. We're not plastering them (laughs) on a billboard or a magazine cover, but really just kind of making sure that that authenticity is there and that relationship is there and that um, we're looking at the relationship versus the transaction. Um, Otherwise, it just becomes tokenizing. And so how do we actually authentically um, elevate these voices and and folks um, in leadership? Mm -hmm. You know, you've touched on this um, already in in some of your own personal experiences of getting into angling and fly fishing. But when you think of kind of big picture for folks, um, what do you see as as the primary barriers that are, are keeping people from getting into this sport? I would say it is um, individual attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. I think a lot of us think that we want to say that we're good people (laughs) so that way we can sleep at night. Uh, We're not part of the problem and somebody needs to figure out the bottom line and to fix it. And really, how do we actually turn that into ourselves and how do we actually perpetuate systemic racism? Um, And that does conflict with the idea that we're really good people. (laughs) And so while we are great people, 
Uh, and we could also continue to be greater people <laughs> by educating ourselves, right? And actually um, really looking and honing into our own, why do, I, why do I feel this way? Why is talking about racism and systemic oppression awkward? Um, and what am I going to do about this? You know, and what is my individual responsibility and what can I actually do as a person to take responsibility? Um, so often justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion gets siloed. It's um, up to leadership. It's up to yes. HR. It's up to the DEI committee, et cetera. It's, I'm not the problem here. I'm the good person. And so um, I would say the number one hands down barrier is our own individual attitudes and beliefs um, of how we actually think about justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. How do we then change that attitude, change that mindset? <laughs> what are like the first steps that folks can can take to change that? Um, first of all, you hire me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little plug there. No, um, no, that's actually a really uncomfortable conversation. And when do we actually carve time out in our really busy schedules to actually talk about this um, and to really reflect and bring the conversation inward? And so what I kind of help um, do is really just looking and mapping our own individual identities. How do we actually identify? How do we actually understand our own access to resources? Um, that was actually mentioned earlier in the show, which is like <laughs> this, you know, aspect of privilege. It's this, you know, what are my own access to privilege and how, or, or resources and how can I share this? Um, maybe that's me becoming a mentor. Maybe that's me reading books. Maybe this is me donating to a certain cause. And so this is just kind of looking outside of the box instead of looking at, um, I always kind of like to compare this to like climate change. It seems like this really big thing and we feel like out of control of how we even approach this. And so if we kind of just take some different steps, um, it's a whole new paradigm shift of thinking um, as far as goal setting, instead of having these grandiose goals, it's more or less like, how am I actually spending time with my identity? Um, how am I actually spending time acknowledging my own access to resources <laughs> and my own privilege? And how can I actually build more compassion and empathy for other people that might not have the same access to resources? And how do I actually authentically build community um, in that aspect? And so, and then it kind of goes into this other further step of then we can actually create action. Then we can actually start recruiting, hiring, and start building authentic communities and in, in what I like to call decolonizing mm-hmm. the outdoors. Yes. <laughs> what I would love to, to put this to all of you as well, but um, what do you think that folks, and take it either or both ways, can learn about diversity, equity, and inclusion by spending time in the outdoors? Mm. And what can folks learn about being in the outdoors by thinking and talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Hmm. What a good question. Um, Something that comes to mind right away for me is just that when you are in the outdoors, like there is the the mountains don't know who you are. You know what I mean? Like the, there's no respecter of persons in the mountains. Like if you get caught in a thunderstorm, you're getting caught in a thunderstorm. <laughs> um, and it's humbling because of that. And I, I just genuinely think that one of the first huge ways to approach all DEI work is to just open up your heart to a lot of humility and understanding that you can be wrong. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a really, really foundational tenet, I think. So that comes to mm-hmm. mind right away. I would say kind of understanding, I know, uh, looking at 
whose lands we're on and why are we settled in the areas that we are um, and who isn't here. Um, I live on the ancestral lands of the Ute that migrated um, and with other many tribes that migrated through this area and, you know, kind of looking at this historical aspect, which is uncomfortable, um, is is really important and it's very humbling to kind of consider wow <laughs> indigenous folks have been here for tens and thousands of years and here i am living in a very privileged area right looking at these mountain towns that are very special and sacred to us crested mm-hmm. butte telluride um etc you know and they're really hard to get to <laughs> um <laughs> but thinking about these ancestral places that are, are sacred and looking at the history and one thing that i've noticed especially guiding over the last decade has been you know, history has always started at 1800s, um, but for me, obviously, that <laughs> extends beyond that. And so um, I actually created and um, developed a course by partnering with a whitewater company in Oregon, um, and they have a, a whitewater rafting company on the Rogue River. And we're actually facilitating a multi-day course called Decolonizing the Rogue. And that is kind of this um, actual history beyond why is this called the Rogue and why do we continue mm-hmm. to call it the and what are the impacts of this and how are indigenous people living currently today and so it's it's still a continued you know you look at any road sign you look at any historical marker it is all erased um, indigenous history and it all starts at 1800 so these are some cues that folks can kind of start thinking about of you know what is this historical marker and and also what's what's beyond this Um, what what happened before this um, is is a great way um, to kind of start uh, thinking about yeah. Mm-hmm. We have um, someone calling in with a phone call. Erica, I apologize. You won't be able to hear this question for whatever reason. Um, we haven't figured that bit out, but we'll relay it back to you um, and we'll bring this person on the air. Oh, no, I just lost him. Okay. If Try it again. Hi, you're live on Coda. Uh, just a quick question. How do you all think about uh, disability access uh, in this, this whole frame? Uh, it actually goes, I think, a little bit further, you know, as far as accommodations go. But uh, if you could address the disability uh, question. Thank you. Thanks for your call. So, Erica, the question was, how do you think about disability access when you're having these conversations and we're talking, right? Because obviously we know equity is is about race and class. It's also about LGBTQ issues and disability. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd love to hear from, from any of you how you think through that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the opportunity this weekend through Mountain Film to work with a really amazing athlete. Her name is Sonia Wilson, and she's an advocate for the deaf and hard of hearing um, community in the outdoors. And she's a climber. And honestly, all I can tell you is kind of what she was talking about with with me and with the Mountain Film audience that I thought was incredibly powerful. Um, If you want to find her on Instagram, her handle is Deaf Climber. Um, and she just does a lot of really powerful advocacy work. And she said a lot too about just being willing to build relationship. And just like you with any new climbing partner would be like, hey, how do you communicate? Do you say belay on, belay off? Do you say, um, okay, you can bring me down? You know, what do you say? How do you communicate? Just like any other new 
outdoor partnership, be willing to reach across into that other person's space and meet them there. So for her, that's people being able to learn a little bit of American Sign Language um, in order to be an accessible partner to her in the outdoors and, and to make you know, accommodations around that. Um, for other people, it might be like, hey, would you like to go camping with me? What does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that, how can we How can we go to a place that is fun for you, that is safe for you, that's healthy for you? Like, what accommodations can I make around you? And it, once again, I know I'm taking it back to relationship, but I think that's a really good place to begin. Um, I also think that our community has a massively long way to go in actually creating accessibility. Like even our sidewalks, here in town are not wheelchair accessible a lot of times mm-hmm. um you know friends of friends of mine who undergo um injuries actually start to pay a lot of attention to the accessibility issues in Telluride because all of a sudden you're on crutches and you're like oh this is my reality um yeah Telluride's not that accessible so I think we need to make a lot of changes for starters but as far as um sharing the outdoors with people yeah just listening to what Sonia was saying like build relationships be willing to meet people where they are and and share the outdoors together yeah I agree with Joanna I I met a really awesome friend this weekend too through Mountain Film and you know he was sharing like don't assume like I can Mm -hmm. do the same things you can do you know he he was sharing he can skateboard he can ski he had a movie about skiing and it's one of those things, like Joanna said, building that community, asking the questions, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't have those, you know, I'm lucky and privileged to be able-bodied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree to all of everything that was said. And, you know, I have a fly fishing buddy named Cade Cloberdance. He lives in Grand Junction and he is in a wheelchair. And part, the the thing that I can do is listen and mm-hmm. really, um, you know, what was already been said was asking what do they need <laughs> and how can I be a better support and ally of their needs um, to be able to, um, you know, as far as they can enjoy what, what I like to do. And so I think one is absolutely listening, considering their needs and full heartedly, we both live in towns that was built in 1800s. <laughs> yes. So there is not very much right. access. And so some of the things that I have done to kind of help um, that I've heard has helped is sending a lot of photos and being as descriptive as I can, totally. especially with um, physically able-bodied people. And that's a photo year round. So mm-hmm. what does this look like with ice? What does mm-hmm. this look like with snow? What does this look like in the summer? Uh-huh. And so I think some of those things are, are just non-existent right now. Um, and Kate has actually been working on his own um, building guides for um, wheelchair access awesome. um, points for fishing. Oh, and that's been in, in that. the Grand Junction um, area. And I would love to see that happen. You know, I think about this all the time because I'm in a relationship with these people, mm-hmm. right? And so yes. I, I think about when I go to visit these places to fish, it's like, how can I get my friend Kate here? Yes. And what are things that he would need to be able to access this? Uh-huh. Um, there's also just looking at different areas that could actually physically hold, you know, instead of adding more willows to a place, like, can we actually mm-hmm. have a wheelchair ramp that can go here or a platform where they can fish off of and so and really actually getting their expertise and their insight of how that should be built is going to be very very important well and it's an interesting dynamic right because i think for so many people who enjoy being in the outdoors there's this like you want the pristine like nothing's been touched and then thinking and realizing like well that actually make that that 
untouchedness yeah. is a barrier for people who use wheelchairs or maybe don't have the same amount of mobility or whatever that might be. And so I can imagine there's an element of kind of reframing how do we make these spaces, how do we maintain the beauty of these spaces and yeah. also make them spaces that regardless or or despite a mm-hmm. different levels of ability, yeah. more people can get to experience that beauty. I, I think also we really need to look at how colonial the idea of wilderness actually is. Yes, thank you for saying that. Okay. <laughs> um, white lady here. This is, Literally yeah. just wrote that down, by this the way. Is, yeah, yeah. I, I think the concept of like untouched places is actually a, a pretty supremacist idea in general. And I think I, th- there's so many things that we all need to continue to be mm-hmm. learning about this because it's it's um, something that indigenous people around me continue to talk about to this day and I really appreciate them for bringing it up but there's also a lot of supremacy in um, this idea of like being the most athletic you can possibly be um, and I think that's what leads a lot of people to like never reach out to other people around them to mm-hmm. be like how can I share this space with you is because they have to always be going the hardest and that's I understand that it's good to push yourself and it's good to have goals and it's good to go hard when you need to. But like, if that is standing in the way of you ever reaching out to, mm-hmm. to ask people to join you, then you need to reassess your priorities. Um, anyway, that's just a side note on supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> working on it, working on it. <laughs> but back to the wilderness thing. Yeah, I think I think we need to be willing to say, sure, some places um, should be really pristine and and some places need to have access and Mm -hmm. it's okay to have both like we should Mm -hmm. celebrate both Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely there's gonna be places where my friend Cade can't reach and I think yeah untrammeled and untouched wilderness is definitely a myth and I would highly recommend the trouble with wilderness by William Cronin (laughs) Um, a really great piece to sit and and ponder about (laughs) yeah Claudia, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, Eric, <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> um, Erica, well, we are nearing the end of our hour, which always goes by so, so fast. fast, it's bonkers. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, okay, this is going to, again, sound like maybe a question with an obvious answer, um, but where, you know, thinking specifically about angling, because that's something that you're really passionate about, but just, you know, being in the outdoors in general, where do you hope to see this we're going to make these spaces more inclusive um, and more accessible over you know the next year five ten fifteen however many years and then what do you see as um you you kind of touched on it before but just steps that any individual whether you're in the sport or want to get into the sport can do to start getting that place that you want it to be like start that process or continue that process Sure. I would say I think the overall arching goal of what I'm, I would love to see are people taking individual responsibility for yes. their actions and their behaviors. Like that's the only way we're going to see change. Mm-hmm. If you have an attitude of that's not for me, I'm already a good person. I'm, I have black friends. I have, you know, X, Y, Z. If you are continuing to um, kind of just justify yourself that you're a good person, I think that that is where we need to start looking mm-hmm. and examining of how do I actually quote unquote do the work. And mm-hmm. what the work looks like is 
again, kind of looking at my own individual identity, what are my access to resources and how can I start to leverage those access to resources? And so I think that takes some um, reflection. I think that takes some reading. I think that takes some listening um, and some good old humility to be able to say like, I might not be the best person in this space. However, this is where I'm at and I'm okay messing up. I like to say the true diversity work is in the recovery. Um, So really accepting that you're going to mess up. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. Um, But I'm willing to recover, dust myself off and get back into the conversation. Yeah. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. So we'll we'll have a, a couple minutes at the end here um, in studio. But um, before you before you go, how can folks find you? And if they want to learn more about the awkward angler and all all the work that you do, how can folks find out more? Sure. So Instagram is always a great place to reach me. That's at awkward angler and my um, consulting website, which is consultreal.org. Mm-hmm. And that's R E A L, which stands for Reconcile, Evolve, Advance, and Lead. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for, for joining this evening and, and being part of the conversation and sharing your knowledge about, about these issues. And yeah, definitely, I think there's at least a few people already who are checking <laughs> yeah. out Instagram. Yes, just followed you. <laughs> um, thank you so, so much for, for joining this evening. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having Sarah. me. Okay. Have a great night. Have a good evening. All right, folks, um, we are still in studio with Joanna and Claudia talking about equity and the outdoors. Mason had to take off, um, which I failed to mention for about half an hour. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you probably picked up on the fact, based on the fact that his voice was no longer in the conversation. Um, But, you know, thinking specifically about kind of going back to, to the challenges or maybe successes, opportunities that we have in tell your ride as a community what are the things that y'all want to see um that kind of i guess posing the same question that that i Mm -hmm. posed to to erica but looking at our our community specifically Mm -hmm. what are the things that that you want to see change or grow or shift um in the next few years when it comes to to equity and making our outdoors Mm -hmm. more accessible to folks Yeah, I think Erica kind of touched on this, but it's, you know, working with your own identity first. Um, But I'd like to see is represented in a way of like, you know, if 30% of our population is Spanish speaking, then we should represent that in all spaces here, not just the outdoor spaces. You know, I think um, folks sitting on board, making decisions, not being tokenized, um, making those decisions for those programmings, um, you know, having... A Latino or someone represented in each nonprofit that yep. builds those programs. That's the goal. You know, I think, you know, I think people come to Kathy and be like, how can we do outreach? How can we do this? And I think at the end of the day is hire someone that can represent yep. that demographic, but also put them like everyone has said here, put them in a position of power where they can be heard and yes. make their own group if, if that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Funding's available. Yeah. Let me tell you, there's a lot of funding right now out there for like equity. Right. Yeah. That's actually, I was just going to say that I really agree with exactly what Claudia says. I watch her do tons of work all of the time with the, um, is it coalition for or community? Uh, collaborative actions for Collaborative. Immigrants. Thank mm-hmm. you. Collaborative mm-hmm. action for immigrants, CAFI, which used to be LAC. Um, and they are incredibly dedicated and, and have really wonderful allies right now. But like, she's totally right. 
actually hire people and and actually give them access to power and to funding Mm -hmm. because saying like oh we're representing somebody by like you know having this person around and asking them questions for free like that's not actually sharing power Mm -hmm. um so definitely if you if you want to actually see the progress which i i such a great question, Julia. I guess I just want to see everybody in my community having the same like <laughs> access to and enjoyment of what they want to do. Yeah. And if also PS, like if it's not somebody's thing to like kayak, cool. If they would rather play soccer, cool. Mm-hmm. But we're all aware at this point, like that being able to spend time in nature, interfacing mm-hmm. with the outdoors is an incredibly powerful tool for mm-hmm. not only collective liberation, but just like mental health mm-hmm. and, and happiness. So um, yeah, I guess I just want to see all of our community yeah. out out in those spaces in the ways that they want to be and and that involves a lot of white people listening and passing the mic so invest in your employees what do do they need to be valued in that position and I think professionally and emotionally like what do they need Mm mm-hmm yeah I think Joanna you just said as well it kind of in some ways goes back also there's an element of kind of how do we um make how how do we kind of think of the spaces that we're in but it's also totally. like how do we think about what being right. outdoors and in nature looks like right, right? Mm-hmm. of like again we live in a community where it's like going super hard and right. like climbing all the crazy things and like skiing right. the steepest line i think is how you'd say it. <laughs> <laughs> right yes. yeah um, but like it's all those things but it's also like taking a walk on the ba- bike park yes. or on the bike path on the valley floor. Right. It's like yeah. doing softball and like right. there's right. reframing the idea of like what being outdoors means and yes. not putting them in tiered systems no. of like, yeah, this is, this Super is the most important, important part yeah. of like, the, this is the best way to be outdoors. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've learned, I, you know, I'm not indigenous in the United States, but I'm indigenous in Mexico. So I'm mestiza. And one mm-hmm. thing that I've, am learning a little bit more is to be I'm not on earth I'm with earth Mm. and so really understanding like when I'm like hiking sometimes I take my shoes off and really want to feel the ground and the grass Mm. and really reflecting on because that's something that my grandmother and my mom talk about a little bit more especially my mom coming to visit she's like really listen to what the mountains are saying and even in that indigenous panel it really like lit a fire for me and be like oh you're right. I we used to talk about this in Mexico mm-hmm. and how to like we appreciate nature because like Joanna says, the mountains don't care who you are. You know, <laughs> like you need to be respectful of this earth, and that's something that I'm starting to kind of like mm-hmm. reflect on a little bit, especially after like listening to a lot of indigenous folks here and how they present themselves to the mountains. Yeah. Can I ski this? How you know talking to them? Whatever that looks like for you, there's no right or wrong answer. I think it's how you reflect on it and how you present. Yeah. yourself to earth yeah if it's a hike if it's skiing if it's whatever you're doing right. like really be with earth not on earth yeah. I really agree with that and I think um it's just like something something that I feel like is thematic in this whole conversation is like being willing to ask questions and really listen to the answer like mm-hmm. you know listen to your LGBTQIA plus friends how mm-hmm. they feel in the outdoors and what they want from that from you as a friend or an outdoor partner or you know a community listen to your friends who have different bodily abilities mm-hmm. and be willing to really listen to the answer listen to your friends from different cultures and and then also yeah I totally agree listen to the earth yeah. ask her yeah. yeah 
We are now actively in our final seconds. So I would love to hear from both of you any final closing thoughts you have. Also, Claudia, you teased that there's a bunch of really amazing stuff going on with the library this summer, which you both work at the amazing Wilkins Public Library. Um, so, yeah, I'd just love to hear if, if you have off the top of your brain any of the um, activities coming up that are um, really geared towards towards getting more people um, into the outdoors and, and making that an accessible place to be. Yeah, I don't have the dates at the top of my head, but we are starting with, like, uh, June is Immigrant Heritage Month, so we're really reflecting and kind of uplifting our immigrant community here in Telluride, and we're starting mm. off with June 5th um, as a big community fiesta, and that's when we're get, having gear and people can come pick up that's everyone is welcome this is not just a latino um event we want everyone there there's gonna be food pinata games we'll play loteria will be raffle tickets i mean we're gonna be there from noon to three at the park town park and then we'll have a hike i believe sunday the 12 um at one o'clock we'll meet at wilkinson public library and we'll go up bear creek and then we have more. So <laughs> many. We have like we have the via. We have camping. I mean, come to the library if you are interested in um, some of the events that we're putting together. But one of our themes for the library is, what was it? Library at large. Yeah. We're outside for more. Summer, we're just out in the community. So check our website. Mm-hmm. It's always getting updated. Ask Claudia. <laughs> ask me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on the library calendar. It's accessible from yep. any anywhere all the time. We'll be there. So. Yeah. Thanks, Julia. Amazing. Well, Joanna Spindler, Claudia Garcia Curcio. We had Mason Osgood from Sheep Mountain Alliance on earlier, and Erica Nelson of the Awkward Angler, which is just mm. a lovely, love it. a lovely <laughs> handle. Koto <laughs> um, listeners, thank you. So so much for tuning in to Off the Record this evening. Thanks to those who called in. We always love getting those calls. I forgot to plug that you could call. <laughs> so thanks for those who just know our number and know that that's an option. Um, we will be back next week with more Off the Record. And of course, we'll have news coming up in the days between then. Thank you so much. And Pow Surf Radio is coming up in just a few. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh.